Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Steve. Howard, how are you? I'm good. Where do you live? Bayside, Queens. Oh, okay. You ever go yeah. to a you ever go to a, a malt shop named Yogi's? No, where's that? In Bayside. I don't know. My cousin grew up there. And he always talks about this place called Yogi's. Yo, really? Never heard of it. Hmm. I asked Mike Tarico about it because he's from there, and he says he remembered it. Huh, I wonder. Um, I'll have to look it up. Is it good? Any good? I don't know. I've never been there. It was like a neighborhood hangout. Huh. No, I never heard of it. All right. All right. Stand by. We're getting ready to go. Getting ready to go. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Steve Serby of the New York Post. Uh, you've been doing this for, what, a couple of months? You've been writing, Steve? Two, three months? Uh, yeah, a uh, couple of weeks, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm getting, the getting the hang of the business now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. ser seriously, how many years you've been doing this? Oh, well, I started at the Post in nineteen before you were born in nineteen seventy-two. Wow. Yeah, that's fifty years, but uh, uh, it seems like uh, fifty days have just flown by. It's unbelievable. Look, uh, when I think about people have asked me when I've been interviewed, they say, you know, what do you remember? What's the most memorable time in your life and in, in your career and so on? And it's easily, that's an, that's an easy answer. It was my first Super Bowl that I called uh, for CBS Radio in um, 1996 when Brett Favre won his only uh, championship. So that's easy for me. What's the most memorable, who is the, either the most memorable person you've ever interviewed or the most memorable character? Well, I had dinner with Mike Tyson once. Uh, that was interesting <laughs> uh, in Manhattan. Uh, at a time when he was a vegetarian, I don't know if he still is. This was years ago, and uh, it was at a uh, steak place, and he had he had a boiled potato and a salad. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was a little bit strange, but hey, what am I? I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell Mike Tyson what to order. Um, you know, again, you know Bill Parcells. He was always fascinating to cover. Um, uh, the Super Bowls, I've, I've been at uh, all four giant Super Bowls. I, uh, I watched the Jets' lone Super Bowl win on television when I was uh, in college at Ohio University on a black and white television. Um, and one day, maybe, uh, maybe I'll be able to witness another Jets' Super Bowl. Who knows? That brings um, me, that brings me but, to the... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding my breath. Um, and then um, I've, I've covered um, Forest Hills with Jimmy Connors, when the young Jimmy Connors. He was uh, he was interesting. He was kind of a, like a brat at that point. Um, what else did I cover that was? Uh, uh, oh, the uh, Chris Chambliss home run in '76 off Mark Littell. Right. I was at I was at that game. That was fascinating. Uh, the Yankees 
winning the World Series against the Braves. Uh, game six, I was at that one, covered that one. Um, I'm sure there's others uh, that I'll forget. Um, unfortunately, I was not at the Rangers winning the Cup. I didn't. I didn't witness that one. But I've seen a. I've seen some tremendous events in in New York sports, and uh, I've been at since 1979. I've been at every Super Bowl except for two, plus the uh, the COVID Super Bowl. Obviously, I was not at that one. So I've seen. I've seen most of the, uh, the, the, the Cardinals-Steelers Super Bowl, which was one of the all-timers, and the two uh, Giants. The Giants Super Bowl went over the Patriots, the unbeaten, spoiling their perfect season. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that was one of the more memorable ones. Steve Serby of the New York Post taking a bite of the Big Apple. So the Giants and the Jets have come off a what is perceived to be a productive draft uh, the Giants' uh, selection of Kayvon Thibodeau. I think this was a really interesting pick because I really thought the Jets were going to take him at four. Uh, for whatever the reason, I mean, look, they went to uh, they went to Sauce and, and Sauce Gardner, the cornerback, so that addressed the need. And then uh, later on they, trade, they traded back to get uh, uh, the, the pass rusher, uh, that basically fell, uh, which was surprising to me, because uh, I really thought that um, that the that uh, James uh, that Jermaine Johnson was going to go top ten in the draft, and he didn't. So the Jets uh, traded back; they get three first round picks, and the one in between was Gilbert from Ohio State. So they based Joe Garrett, Douglas yeah, basic Garrett Wilson. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I Garrett Wilson. Uh, I'm uh, basically Joe Douglas said he was going to draft to help Zach Wilson, and you can't deny what he's done. And now how it pans out remains to be seen, but it's all on Zach Wilson now. He's got some tools to work with. How he pans out is up to him. Yeah, if you remember, uh, Joe Douglas had promised Sam Darnold's parents that he would get him protectors and playmakers. Well. He started the process by drafting Mackay Becton uh, while Sam Darnold was still there. In the second round, he drafted Denzel Mims. So he was trying to help Sam Darnold, but Mims never panned out and still hasn't panned out, and he'll be fighting for a roster spot this summer. And Mackay Becton Becton, um, had a great rookie season and then got hurt and couldn't get back on the field last year. Um, but it was too little, too late for Sam Darnold anyway. Uh, but since then, uh, Joe Douglas has gotten uh, Vera Tucker, the guard, um, last year in the first round, traded up to get him. And this year gets Garrett Wilson, signs two tight ends in free agency, and drafts. Jeremy Ruckert, a tight end who looks like he could be a good player in the third round um, to go along with Garrett Wilson. And Braxton Berrios has emerged as a reliable target for Zach Wilson. Uh, And last year, Corey Davis, who had a disappointing uh, first season, but Corey Davis was a free agent uh, pickup by by, uh, Joe Douglas. So Joe Douglas has... You're right. It's totally up to Zach Wilson now. He's 
He's in his second year. They're counting on him to lift this franchise for for the Jets to, quote-unquote, take flight. It's all on Zach Wilson now. And he's got... And he's got a couple of running backs now. He's got Michael Carter in the fourth round a year ago. Mm-hmm. And Brees, Brees Hall, who was considered the best running back in the draft, was a second-round pick this year. So, uh, you know, you never assume these these draft choices will pan out, and some of them will develop later. But the pieces are now there. The pieces are around Zach Wilson. Uh, and... If Makai Becton can come back healthy and battle, he's got to take the job from George Fant, the left tackle job. Um, you know, there was I was I in my fifth and final mock draft, I had the Jets taking Icky Icon Icky. Let's call him Icky. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, because I was not convinced that the Jets could trust Makai Becton, but they are. They're, they're trusting him to come back and uh, be the player he was as a rookie, in which case the offensive line looks real good um, if these draft choices all pan out. But, uh, yeah, all the pieces are there for Zach Wilson. Now it's up to him. He, he showed progress at the end of his rookie year over the last six games or so, and now he's got to take that next step but remember, we kept waiting for Daniel Jones to take the next step, but the Giants did not do what what Joe Douglas has done for Zach Wilson. And as John Mara said, we've done everything we can to screw the kid up. And now Joe, Daniel Jones is fighting for his New York Giants life this season. Uh, before we go to Daniel Jones, let me finish up the Jets because uh, let's add Elijah Moore to that wide receiver room a kid that showed some promise several times last year. Uh, so the wide receiver room and the addition of the two tight ends uh, that you pointed out that they got in free agency and the one they drafted, there's uh, a thought when you look at, and of course, you know, if you're looking for, and you will look for it because I know you well enough, you will look for a, you know, who's the first writer to write Wilson to Wilson, and the only Wilson we're leaving out is the volleyball that was in Castaway. Oh, yeah, good movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's right, Wilson to Wilson. By the way, I forgot to mention second-round pick last year, Elijah Moore, the wide receiver. Right. Um, th- that's another weapon who, who the Jets are very, very high on and and as well they should be. Um, they've, got some, they've got some playmakers now. They really do. And, um, yeah, Wilson to Wilson, of course. So we – Garrett Wilson is, is the real deal. He was the best receiver in the draft um, out of Ohio State. So, again, no excuses now for Zach Wilson. Um, he's got uh, he's got a creative offensive coordinator in uh, Lafleur, Michael Lafleur, and uh, he's got he's got the makings of a nice offensive line, and he's got plenty of targets. And the tight end has been missing from the Jets' offense, but it shouldn't be missing any longer. Right. Right. Let's go back to Daniel Jones. Before the draft, the Giants announced they were not picking up the option, the fifth-year option on Jones. So basically, you're right. He's fighting for a job. Um, And uh, if I'm reaching a little bit, so be it. But there's a guy named Baker Mayfield that's out there. Now, I don't know that, uh, you know, I still think he's a top – 
He's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. But right now, he's he's still with the Cleveland Browns. Any thought that the Giants would even look in that direction? None. No. No, nor should they. They've got Tyrod Taylor now as the backup. Right, right. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, if Daniel Jones gets hurt, or if for some reason he doesn't mesh with Brian Dable, and I expect him to do that, uh, Tyrod Taylor can come in and for three, four games, he can hold the fort. He's one, Parcells used to call them hold the fort guys. Uh, so he's a hold the fort guy. He was going to start the season for the Chargers um, until he had an unfortunate pregame medical uh, incident. And Justin Herbert took over and never looked back. And Tyrod Taylor, that was the end of his Chargers career. But uh, no, Baker Mayfield, no, they're, the Giants are not. Baker Mayfield um, would uh, not fit with the culture that Joe Shane, the new Giants GM, and Brian Dable are build, are building now. Uh, Baker Mayfield um, has been a bit of a – he's got an outsized personality that doesn't mesh well or hasn't meshed well uh, – in Cleveland, and based off what we saw, he can play. He'll play somewhere, maybe Seattle, who knows. But uh, what does it tell you that the Panthers were, are not interested in him anymore? Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? So, you know, he's he can play. Baker, May, Baker Mayfield can play, but it seems to me like uh, he's got to grow up a little bit first. But I don't know if uh, a leopard can change his spots. So, no, the Giants, he he doesn't fit the Giant profile anyway. The Giants quarterback profile has always been taller guys. That was the reason they were not interested in him during the draft process uh, when he came out years ago. He's, he's, he's too short. He doesn't fit the Giants prototy- prototype at quarterback. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with the New York Post, Steve Serby. You said that uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable's culture. How would you define the Giants' culture now with the new GM and the new head coach? Well, they, they want, uh, Brian Dable and uh, Joe Shane want what every head coach and GM wants in a player. Smart, tough, and dependable. And uh, in, in, in fairness to Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, they they improved the Giants' culture from what it had been under previous regimes, and now uh, Shane and Dable are are building on it. and And Shane knows Shane was Shane was part of those these recent Bills teams mm-hmm. that have uh, that have challenged for a Super Bowl, and uh, largely because of Josh Allen, I might add. But uh, they're they're looking for a certain kind of guy, the smart. Uh, dependable, but uh, it's not lip service. Again, like I said, every GM and coach wants that, but they're uh, they're doing extensive research on the players that they bring in, and uh, and they believe that Kayvon Thibodeau is one of those players. And I had a chance to sit down with them last week uh, in the Giants cafeteria, and I liked them very much. I liked them very much. I, you know, there were uh, misconceptions, I believe about his character, uh, but he didn't slide very far. He ended up going uh, 
five to the Giants, and I think those misconceptions were overblown. He's got a big personality, yes, but he described himself as gregarious. And I, if the Giants had not done their homework, they wouldn't have drafted him. And I feel, I feel confident that they've made the right choice with this kid. I, I think that he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to prove the naysayers wrong. And I think he's going to be a team player. And I spoke to Carl Banks, and Carl Banks said, big personalities are, are, are good for business. Are, they're good for the fans. They're good for the, uh, for the locker room as well. The Giants could use a big personality in the locker room. You don't want all what he referred to as mousy guys in the locker room, and Thibodeau is certainly not that. But I think, I think he'll know his place, and I think he'll, with his work ethic, I think he'll gain the respect of his teammates. Steve, let me talk about three players. One was the second first-round pick, Evan Neal, offensive tackle, which, again, uh, looks towards a need the Giants had to build up that offensive line. Uh, talk to me about, I mean, Evan Neal supposedly was the highest-rated tackle in the draft. Uh, Evan Neal, at, the, at points in the, in the draft process, was... Uh, a candidate to go number one to the Jaguars mm. um, until they uh, uh, franchised Cam Robinson, their left tackle, and they signed Brandon Scherf, the guard, in free agency, and then pass rush became the way to go for uh, Trent Baalke and uh, Doug Peterson. So, um, And they took uh, the kid from Georgia, Trayvon Walker. Um, but Evan Neal, 6'7", 337 or so, um, Came from uh, the Nick Saban football factory. Um, is is considered by most the best tackle in the draft. And he can play guard. Uh, he, But they want him to play right tackle. The Giants have had a gaping hole at right tackle. They thought Matt Parrott would be the guy to fill that void. But Parrott has not developed the way they hoped he would. Uh, and now... The giant Daniel Jones has a nice pair of bookends with Andrew Thomas at left tackle and Evan Neal at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe Shane has upgraded the offensive line with some free agent signings at center and guard, Glowinski and Feliciano and Garcia. Uh, not exactly household names, but better than what the Giants have had. You remember Dave Gettleman, when he first came on, uh, as Giants GM promised to fix the offensive line. And the, I think the main reason he has, uh, is the former Giants GM is he never fixed it. Uh, you mentioned Parcells. I talk to him usually about once a month. Uh, I guess by now he's in Saratoga, and particularly with the Derby coming up on Saturday. So, you know, as you well know, he's a big horse guy. Uh, right. I asked him, a while ago about Saquon Barkley. I said, what's going to take him to that next level? He said, he's got to run between the tackles. He's primarily an outside runner. Well, the Giants offensive line didn't let him do that. Now I'm wondering if he's going to be able to do that. Does he have that kind of style, that kind of body to run between the tackles? Yeah, he does. He's, he's 230 pounds. I mean, he's his, his quads are even almost as large as yours. I mean, he, he can, but again, like you said, the problem is there have been no holes, and the, another problem is his health. 
uh, if he's fully healthy and he says he is and he's raring to go and he can't wait to shut people up. Um, uh, but he, yeah, he can be, he could easily be a thousand yard back. No question. But I think where they've forgotten how to use him, he caught 91 balls as a rookie. They need to use him. He could be a, a tremendous resource and weapon for Daniel Jones in the passing game and which will enable him to get in the open field and do his thing. Uh, yeah, he needs to, to, to get the tough yards up the middle, but uh, and he'll be able to do a better job of that if he's healthy with a better offensive line. But I think Brian Dable's going to get very creative in his use of Saquon Barkley, and you'll see him catch. I'd be surprised if he doesn't catch 70 passes at least hmm. this year. Hmm. He can he can really be be a, uh, a resource for Daniel Jones. Well, another resource is uh, second-year player Kadarius Toney. Uh, look, he, he was immature last year. He said some things, uh, a little too mouthy maybe, but he's got ability, obviously. But there were some rumblings that the Giants were looking to trade him. Was that accurate? Well, I, I don't – they say no. Uh, maybe they got some calls on him. I, I, I don't know. I can't confirm that, to be honest. But, um, you know, he, he, he wasn't there at the start of the voluntary minicamp. Now they're – now Brian Dable's raving about him and uh, – they love his instincts. They love his what he can do uh, yards after the catch. Uh, and with Brian Dable, he could he could really have a, a a takeoff season because he's got rare cut on a dime ability. We saw that last year, and uh, you know it's funny. I thought he 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 still has to prove that he's not a better draft pick than the Jets kid, Elijah Moore. The Jets got Elijah Moore in the second round. They couldn't believe their luck. The Giants liked Kadarius Tony better. And uh, we saw flashes of Kadarius last year, but he couldn't stay on the field. And uh, he's got to grow up a little bit, uh, which is true of uh, most uh, 23-year-olds. And again, if his head's on straight, if, if, if the if he can uh, be the player that Brian Dable believes he can be in Brian Dable's offense, uh, Kadarius Tony uh, will be able to to run run amok. He didn't catch a touchdown pass last year, and neither did Kenny Galladay. Hmm. Uh, obviously, that has to change. And uh, uh, I think Brian Dable will get the most out of Kadarius Tony if Kadarius Tony can stay on the field and show that he's. Uh, a mature New York football giant. Steve Serbia, the New York Post. Look, a lot of general managers make cuts for financial reasons, and the Giants may do that with quarterback James Bradbury. Uh, and and listening to Joe Shane, he likes the kid, uh, but uh, if he if he cuts him, he frees up something like ten million dollars, and the Giants apparently are in desperate need of some cap space. Yeah, well, Joe Shane inherited a salary cap mess. And, uh, you know, he's been cutting salaries. Blake Martinez, uh, who's coming back off injury, and Sterling Shepard, who couldn't stay on the field last year. And, yeah, uh, that's why the uh, the drafting of Thibodeau to pair with Aziz Ojolari, last year's impressive rookie who had eight sacks, uh, the pass rush is going to have to get through this year uh, because – 
the Giants secondary is barren, virtually barren, except for Xavier McKinney. Um, the uh, Jabril Peppers is in New England. Um, Logan Ryan is in Tampa Bay. Uh, so the safety situation is in flux. And Adoree Jackson is their number one corner. And that means that the number two corner right now is a rookie from last year, Aaron Robinson. So the secondary is certainly unsettled. That's going to be a weak point, uh, probably the weak point for the Giants. And uh, that's why the pass rush this year is going to be even more critical than ever. The, the secondary was a, was a strength a year ago for the Giants, and now now it's a weakness. Well, you talk about pass rush, and every team wants it. And the Jets now, they draft Jermaine Johnson. And assuming that Carl Lawson is healthy, they have uh, bookend pass rushers, uh, uh, you know, surrounding a, an already pretty good defensive front. So the defense, the defensive line could be one of their strengths. Yeah, well, obviously they need Carl Lawson to come back from uh, his Achilles. Uh, Quinnen Williams you've got in the middle. Yeah, the defensive line looks pretty, pretty good. Uh, John Franklin Myers, um, and the secondary has been upgraded, obviously with with Sauce Gardner, who they believe will be a lockdown corner, and certainly should be if he's the number four pick. And uh, the kid uh, J.D. Reed, uh, a five nine corner, who now can be their number two corner, and then they've got a kid uh, Bryce Bryce Hall. Um, mm-hmm who they like. Uh, so they've got, they've got three corners that they like. And, and this kid Eccles is another corner. They like a little bit. So the, the defense should be markedly improved, which again, th- th- there's no way to go, but up for that defense. Let's face it. Uh, and, and they need, they needed corners badly uh, because look who's in the division now, Tyreek Hill. Right. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a problem. Even with Sauce, that's a matchup problem because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are both similar type players and they're very, very shifty, very elusive. Um, I, Sauce will have a, a matchup problem with those guys because any quarter, cornerback would. So uh, that's going to be – and, and the, the, the Patriots now have uh, uh, Devontae – what's his name? Um, Parker. Parker? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who they got from the Dolphins. Um, so, uh, and the Bills have Stephon Diggs. So, uh, the Jets the Jets should be able to match up better. But again, those two Miami guys would scare the heck out of me if I'm a defensive coordinator. Um, so, the pass rush for the Jets uh, will have to help those uh, those corners against the Giant, the Jets corners against the Dolphins. Um, and, but like I said, the, uh, Let's see what Robert Sala can do with it, with with more talent on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Sala obviously is a defensive coach, and the right. players love love playing for him, uh, and his defense coordinator Ulbrich. So now it's uh, not only up to Zach Wilson; it's also up to Robert Sala to field an all gas, no break defense. Uh, before I let you go, help me shift gears a little bit. Uh, right now, things are great, New York sports-wise. Got the Rangers in the playoffs looking to get even tonight against Pittsburgh. The Yankees and the Mets are both in first place in their respective divisions. I think it's the first time ever that both New York teams and both L.A. teams 
are in first place in their respective divisions, which is an oddity, but it's interesting to note. I was particularly taken, and you saw the story, I'm sure, about uh, the guy from Toronto who caught Aaron Judge's home run ball or took got it off the ground and gave it to the kid wearing an Aaron Judge jersey, and the kid cried and all of that, and then yesterday, apparently, he met Aaron Judge. That's one of those feel-good stories you, you, you get occasionally in sports, and it's always nice to talk about that rather than some negativity. Yeah, we there sure is. There, there certainly isn't enough of that in this crazy world. Um, but, yeah, hey, New York sports, is uh, it, it, it feels surreal because we haven't seen this this kind of winning in New York sports in a long, long time. Boy, no, Jets haven't been in the uh, playoffs since the 2010 season. Right. The Giants, ha- Giants haven't won a playoff game since they won their second Super Bowl. Right. Um, and uh, and the Mets, of course. You know, kudos to, for hiring Buck Showalter. What a yep. What a dif- What a difference he's going to make. And and when Jacob Degrom comes back to join Scherzer and Bassett, you know, the bets are the real deal. Steve no. Cohen is spending the money, and he's spending it what He has spent it wisely. And, um, yeah, the Yankees, Aaron Judge is putting his money where his mouth is. He bet on himself. And uh, if he stays healthy, knock on wood, he's going to be a rich man after the season. Uh, I, I got to ask you about something. You don't cover the NBA that much, but you're certainly aware of what happened with Brooklyn in the NBA playoffs, uh, Kyrie Irving and the whole thing with the not, not wanting to get vaccinated and blah, blah. Uh, your colleague at the Post, Brian Lewis, had a, wrote a story about Kyrie today uh, where he calls himself a martyr. Um, no, I think you should call yourself an idiot because what you've done, and he says that, he, well, he might have uh, might have upset his teammates. No, he, he James Harden forced his way out because of Kyrie Irving. And number two, Irving's been a problem in Cleveland, Boston, and now Brooklyn. And he's talking about it like like what was good for him. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is basketball not a team sport? Yeah, no, he, look, he marches to the beat of his own drummer and uh, the music uh, fell flat. Uh, he... He has been, you're right, he's been a problem child and he's got an inflated uh, opinion of himself and he he didn't do the Nets any favors at all. He didn't do the Brooklyn fans any favors at all and calling himself a martyr is kind of predictable for him, I think, uh, but uh, he lives in his own world and, uh, you know, the big three, the, the, the dream of the big three was was punctured by his intransigence. Uh, again, it's everybody's individual decision to get vaccinated. I get all that. But um, if, if I, I really believe he did, he did Brooklyn, the borough, the team, and the fans, and his teammates a disservice. There's no question. Look, I was and on... He's, hey. he's, no, he's no martyr in my, in my mind. No, I would agree. Uh, look... You remember when when ownership and Sean Marks, the general manager, said they didn't want a part-time player and they didn't want him to play at all. Uh, I was on board with that. I thought that was good. But they relented. And obviously, if he wasn't the type of talent he is, and he is a top 10, 12, 15 talent in the NBA, they probably wouldn't have gone in that direction. But because he's so good, 
they said, hey, without him, we're not going to win, even if we get him as a part-time player. So I, I wasn't, I, I didn't agree with them relenting on their, what they did first, but I'm not in their position, so I'm not going to sit there and judge. Yeah, well, I'm sure if you gave them truth serum, they would say he isn't worth the trouble. Uh, agreed. And now we know that, that Ben Simmons is going to have back surgery, which will keep him out three to four months. Uh, it's it's say it's interesting to say the least. I'm not even going to go into the Knicks because they got their own set of issues. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. it, it's just interesting that the New York sports landscape right now is a lot to talk about and a lot of positive things. Yeah, we, uh, we talked about the Mets and Yankees. And, and like you said, the Rangers, what a game that was. Uh, uh, game one against the Penguins, double yep. overtime. Yep. Uh, the Rangers, the Rangers are, are a legitimate Stanley Cup threat, and uh, that, that's great. It's 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 not a negative spring in New York sports, and we haven't been able to say that in a long time. Now, I mentioned to you before that I talked to Parcells about once a month. Did you, have you ever played golf with him? No, I don't play. I gave up golf a okay. long time ago. Well, I when I was living in Florida, uh, we we hooked up several times it, don't at tell my me place. He cheats. Please, don't tell me he cheats. No, 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 not oh. at all. Uh, he's not the former president. Uh, no, he yeah. uh, uh, at my place or at his place, I'd go up there and he'd come down and so on, and we play a fair amount. And I didn't realize until the first time I played with him that he's a big oldies fan, uh, loves fifties and sixties music. So, yeah, so do, I, so do I, by the way. Yeah, so do I. Um, I also love Motown, and uh, and I just like music, period. But we're playing golf. Maybe it's a third hole. Well, I'm getting ready to tee off, and he breaks into some 50-song Poison Ivy. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, well, you don't want to hear it from him as you're getting ready to swing. And he's singing it, and I looked at him, and I said, you're killing me, you know? You're killing me. Are you going to do this all day? He goes, yep. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so at least I was warned. But What, uh, what else did he say? <laughs> I don't remember, but trust me, if I had earplugs, I'd put them in. Well, you know what? Next time next time we do this, let's do a music, uh, a 50s and 60s music show. Uh, I could do that. I'm, I'm, I'm up to that. I mean, you know, Murray the K, man. That's uh, Cousin oh, yeah. Brucie. Oh, yeah, Scott Muni. Yeah, cousin Brucey, you know when I'm I work at Sirius, and so I walk in. I'm in the men's room and uh, doing what I'm doing, and cousin Brucey comes in. And he's standing next to me. I said, you know, you realize how many stars you can meet going to the bathroom? And he looked at me. And he goes, yes. And we we got to talking, and we found out that we he's we're both from Brooklyn. He went to Matt James Madison High School. I went to Erasmus Hall. And we started talking about famous people we know. But you can't match Erasmus. I mean, Erasmus had Streisand and Neil Diamond and Mario Cuomo and Billy Cunningham. And, I mean, a lot of a lot of people you've heard of. Bob Tish, too, I believe. Uh, not sure about that, but I'll take your word. Hey, did, Steve. Uh, did Cousin Bruce ask for your autograph? No, and I didn't ask for his because we were in the middle of, <clears throat> you know, So you were having this conversation at the urinal, is that correct? Correct. Uh, okay, that's too much information. Yeah, me. way, way too much. Uh, you know, you, but you know, it was a fond memory, and he's he's really a terrific guy to talk to uh, outside of music and 
what he's been doing forever and a day. I mean, the guy, he looks great. He's got to be 80-something years old. He looks terrific. Yeah, good. Good, good for him. Good yeah. for him. And so do you, by the way. Yeah, well, we're, we're trying. We're pushing. It's like my wife deserves all the credit. She keeps me young. Well, that's good to, good to hear. Most wives, uh, many, many guys I know, their wives don't keep them young. But, um, uh, yeah, music show next time. Let's do that. 50s and 60s. Mainly 60s. I'm in. All right. We'll do it. I love I love Motown too. But all right, we'll talk next yeah, we'll talk next time. Yeah, did you see the show on Broadway about the temptations and Motown and all of that? No, I didn't. Should I have? Oh, don't miss it. It's still there. Don't miss it. Greatest show greatest show on Broadway I ever saw. Yeah, I like the temptations and four tops. There you go. There you go. And I know you dress like the temptations, so there you go. Yeah, I try to. Yeah. I try to. Steve, thanks again for your time, man, and you stay safe. You too. Thank you, Howard. Appreciate it. Thank you. Steve Serbian, New York Post. <laughs> He's a character. He's a character. A word about Kyrie Irving, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm tired of hearing about him. I really am. Everybody knows what this guy is. He dances to the beat of his own drums. And frankly, when he talks about being a martyr, you're not a martyr. You're not a martyr. A martyr is, you know, you're standing up for a cause that, and I, look, I'm not going to put down what you stand for in your own mind, but you're in professional sports. Sometimes you have to compromise. And when you're a member of a team, that's one of those times you have to compromise. Don't be talking about your team if you're not going to be a part of the team. And I blame Kevin Durant, too. And I'm a big Kevin Durant fan. Top three player in the NBA, without question. And he's very close to Kyrie. But when Kyrie said he wasn't going to get vaccinated back in time, Kevin Durant should have stood up and say, you have to. Had he done that, the Nets wouldn't be in the shape they're in now out of the playoffs. Because even with those two guys and the rest of the cast around them, not only could they have beaten Boston because you got to give, I mean, I give Boston credit. Their defense was fantastic. And they shut both of them down, but every game was close. So you got the Nets owner, who's a guy who's willing to do whatever he has to do to win. And you got Sean Marks, who's a good general manager. And say what you will about Steve Nash, he got the hand he was dealt. He didn't ask for all of this crap. He got it. I'm sure he talked to, to Kyrie Irving. But there's a reason why this guy, with all of his talent, is now playing for his third team. There is a reason. I'll be very interested. And the Nets don't have a lot of wiggle room to do what they want to do to fix what was a disaster. As for the Knicks, there is not, I was talking before with Steve Serby, about um, the Yankees and the Mets and the Giants and the Jets and the Rangers and the other hockey teams, the Islanders and the Devils in New York. If any of them win a championship, it's a big deal. If the Knicks win a championship, it's bigger than a big deal because you look at the crowds they get at Madison Square Garden and they haven't been good. And they still fill the building 19,000 plus every night. But 
they've been poorly managed. And it starts at the top. James Dolan's father, Charles Dolan, was a brilliant man. He was a visionary in cable television. But the apple fell way far from the tree. The moves that he's made in terms of hiring general managers. Phil Jackson set the franchise back three years minimally. And now you see the situation they're in and they weren't the fourth best team in the East like they were two years ago. Even then they weren't. They had a fluke year. Julius Randle had a great year. Comeback player of the year. This year, Julius Randle decided to pick a fight with the fans. Brilliant. Brilliant. And it got to a point where it was annoying watching him every game, jawing at the officials. And Tom Thibodeau is no better. Jawing at the officials every damn night. It got sickening to watch. You never saw R.J. Barrett do it. He played basketball. And is now the best player on the Knicks. Where do they go from here? I don't know, but I could tell you this. Forever and a day, the Knicks have always been getting that next star, and it never happens. So now they're talking about getting Jalen Brunson, a point guard that can fix the situation. Maybe they get him, maybe they don't. Based on history, odds are they won't get the... Because a lot of players don't want to play in New York. They like playing at Madison Square Garden. They don't want to do it for, 80, for 41 nights. Should they trade Julius Randle? For my money, absolutely. They can get a fair amount for him. He's not the go-to guy. He's ball dominant. He's got to move the ball. You win in this league. Look at the teams that are still alive. They move the basketball. You play one-on-one -on -one basketball in the NBA, you're going to lose. Phoenix doesn't play that way because they got a point guard in Chris Paul that knows how to run an offense. You look at Boston. Yeah, they have a dominant player in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they move the basketball. You look at the Golden State Warriors. You see the way Steph Curry moves the basketball. He's a great shooter. We all know that, but he gets everybody else involved. Individual one-on-one -on -one basketball teams don't win big. They may win during the regular season, not in the playoffs. Ben Simmons is now going to have surgery. Doctors say he's going to be out three to four months. Good for him. He should be back in time for training camp. Hopefully he's going to be healthy at that time. He's a 25-year-old kid. You wish that everything works out for him and he gets to resume his career. I have some empathy for Ben Simmons. I really do. I'd like to see him re reclaim his career. He can be a tremendous help to the Nets. We'll see. In the meantime, we root all summer for the, the, the Yankees and the Mets to meet in the World Series. Wouldn't that be a hoot? It'd be something special. Personally, I'm rooting for the Rangers tonight in Game 2 of their playoff series with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've been a Ranger fan all my life, and I'd like to see them do well. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live, and don't forget to stay safe.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.